It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, November 6th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Fall back Sunday. Gained an hour of sleep. And back to our normal release time here. No wait this time. It's first thing this Sunday a.m. here on the East Coast with the Celtics tipping off at the end of the day against the Denver Nuggets as they travel back home to try to get back in the win column. Per usual, our pregame show will be on this very broadcast. Celts are coming off a week where many felt that 1-1 one one would suffice and would be expected. Sure enough, 1-1 one and one it was. Both games holding serve, but there were a lot more there-theirs that occurred this week. And most not good, as we know, especially on the injury front. Anyways, uh, that big game this week, of course, it turned out uh, it ended up not being a big game at all. It turned out to be a bust, a throwaway. Uh, but it was the last game way back on Thursday in the house of the undefeated world champion Cleveland Cavaliers on national TV. A lot of eyes were on it including the eyes of ESPN's Dave McMenamin. So take a wild guess at what we're going to be talking about. Yes, uh, you, you got that one right. Uh, I'm assuming that that's what you said. Of course. By the way, we're two days from Election Day. I'm actually going to tell you how to vote. Yes, I'm going to go there. I'll cross the journalistic lines, dare I do. So Election Day, Denver Nuggets pregame, Dave McMenamin, it's all coming up on episode number 182 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Audible. Go to audible.com. An unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash try now. And, of course, AmericanFamisNetwork.com. Happy where the Celts are at 3-2. and two. If you're just looking at it that way, with one would like to think a win tonight, 
and then some winnable games on tap this week. I'll be at road contests, but as I watch these early season matchups, and, and I said on last week's uh, show with Mr. Chris Forsberg, the way you look at these games, and I even said two going into the year when, when I had the 60-win prediction was, I was going to use this stretch from here until Thanksgiving, which is generally considered the first checkpoint of the NBA season, to observe what I thought would be Boston's biggest weaknesses coming into the season. And sure enough, as we sit five games into the year, weaknesses they have been. Rebounding, 27th in the NBA in differential, being out-rebounded by, about rebounded, excuse me, by five and a half per game. 26th in the NBA in rebounding rate, getting just 46.8% of available rebounds. Far and away their best rebounder of the team is the starting shooting guard. I think that's all you need to know right there. The other, of course, the bench. Coming into the season, we knew rebounding would stink. At least I knew the rebounding was going to be awful. But the bench was supposed to be a wild card, but a key wild card. I said in the season preview show that if the Celts were to meet those 60-win expectations that I single-handedly placed on them myself, pat myself on the back, the bench, which was entirely unproven at the time, would need to be a strength. And here we sit two some weeks into the year. It's now not just still improving. Thus far, it's been bad. I've watched the games. The bench is like hearkening back to those god-awful Red Sox bullpens that used to blow games for Roger Clemens or Pedro back in the day. Like, you know, Pedro would, would leave a game with one out in the eighth, striking out like 12 guys. You know, he'd leave a man on first, and then in comes John freaking Wasden, and there goes that. And you saw this week, the Bulls game. Celts built big leads numerous times with their starters and in mid mid fourth quarter Chicago makes a run Celtics did a good job closing it out but even the Cavs game the starters they kept it close bench players come in and then it just begins to get out of hand and you go to the lineup data on on the NBA website or stats.nba.com and you sort through the data where there's a sample of sufficient enough minutes and games played together and there there are two five man units with a strong enough sample size, two five-man units that are operating in the black. Everything else is in the red. Uh, and and Stevens has tried a, a, a lot of combinations in, in just five games into the year. And, and so far, it's, it's really been mostly starter-dominated lineups that have really put the Celtics in the plus. But there, these were, there were three things that were pivotal in pertaining to the Celtics being an upper echelon team in the NBA this year. And because... From what we saw in the preseason and from what we already knew coming into the season, Boston needed two of those three. And that being rebounding, bench production, and health. Those were three things to worry about coming into the year. There were a lot of things that you could count on. The starters, the backcourt, half-court offense much better. But those three things, those were the keys. I really felt that they needed two. So far, it's 0 for 3. So far, okay, five games, I know, although I am willing to write off rebounding with this group. This just doesn't seem to have it. But by the way, real quick on the Jay Crowder injury, real quick, take your time. Don't play him in November or even December unless he's like 175 million percent. And and that goes for everyone. And I even hope there are times in the year where where more players are a lot of games off for for having games off alone. Keep those players healthy. Don't peddle the metal at at any point of the year, as we all know what happened when they did that last year. They ended up running their team MVP. Yes, Avery Bradley, the MVP of the Celtics through two weeks. He was running to the ground going into the playoffs last year. You know, he's come back. Borderline all-star player, vastly improved shooter in, in spot-up and, and off the dribble. I mean, the team's best rebound for five games. I, I could go on forever, as we know. I don't, actually don't have time to go on forever. So I'll have, a, I'll have a 
fun little poll question we can have, too. We have this great Celtics backcourt on our hands, and, and I would say this Isaiah Thomas-Avery Bradley duo, you can safely say it's the best backcourt this legendary basketball franchise has had going all the way back to the early 1970s with JoJo White and Paul Westfall. Unfortunately, broken up with a terrible trade, trading Westfall for Charlie Scott. But Isaiah Thomas and Bradley, in my eyes, best backcourt in franchise history the last 40 years. Name one better, listeners. Uh, DJ and Danny, I think that's close. I'll leave that to social media. Hit me up at CLNS underscore LHR, at CLNS underscore LHR. Isaiah and Avery or DJ and Danny or another great, or any other great uh, Boston backcourt in the modern era. So start, let's uh, stray from sarcasm, people. I don't want to see any Dana Barrows and Todd J, Todd J uh, jokes, please. Uh, thank you. So, But uh, reach out at CLNS underscore LHR to offer up your take. But uh, let's shift gears to our featured guest segment with Cavs beat reporter Dave McMenamin. One real brief announcement before we do two weeks to go uh, for our ticket contest. Win, win two tickets to see the Celts take on the Detroit Pistons at the TD Garden. Subscribe, rate, and review. Celtics beat on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Celtics beat on iTunes for free entry. Special thanks to all participants and best of luck. I greatly appreciate those who do subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes. But let's welcome in Dave McMenamin of ESPN covering the world champion Cleveland Cavaliers for the worldwide leader. Interview with Dave is brought to you by Movement Watches. As we all know, nice watches in a department store go for four to five hundred bucks, bare minimum. But thanks to that entrepreneurial spirit, two broke college kids took the middleman out for you so you can afford that sleek and sexy watch to look good on whatever occasion. Style should not break the bank. MVMT watches start at just $95. If you want some shopping advice, I got the Chrono Gunmetal watch. Very rarely do I receive compliments in my everyday life. So when I get one on my watch, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Huh? So get it for yourself. Go uh, or the holiday season if your friend's coming up. It's a beautiful watch. It would make a great gift. Classic design, quality construction, style, minimalism. To reiterate, starting at just $95. And as a loyal listener of this podcast, 15% off your first order with free shipping and free returns. 360 win. MVMTwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. MVMTwatches.com slash Celticsbeat for 15% off your first order with free shipping. And again, completely free returns. I should get one for our featured guests, especially our reliable men out of the bullpen here in these lean hours. Top of this very, very fall back. Sunday morning to you, Dave. Uh, thanks for getting up this time in the hour with me. You got it, Larry. Good to talk to you again. Pleasure as always to have you here, Dave. I'm not, I'm, I know you got to catch your red-eye flight. I'm not sure if you slept with the Cavs just finishing their game in Philadelphia a few hours ago. But here in Boston, the Celts have not played since that game in Cleveland back on TNT on Thursday. I said in the opening it was supposed to be an intriguing early season matchup. It became a bit of a throwaway. You got anything to take away from Thursday? I think Boston got a lot of attention this offseason when people wanted to find a rival for the Cavs. It looked like the Eastern Conference was the Cavs and then a bunch of also-ran teams. I'm actually a believer in the Toronto Raptors, what Dwayne Casey's been able to do, the Olympic summer that their backcourt was coming off of. But, uh, you know, some people weren't such believers in them. And so they're looking for a team, and Boston became that team, especially with them getting the splashy acquisition of Al Horford in the the offseason. Then we come to Thursday – TNT, both those teams playing against one another, and there's no Al Horford, and there's no Jay Crowder, and it's it's harder to really get a, a good judgment of just how much better Boston has gotten, um, or just how much of a uh, matchup problem it could be for Cleveland, 
because those guys aren't in there, and, and if they did meet in the playoffs, you'd assume or, or think that they would be healthy, Horford and uh, Crowder at that point, and then that would actually dictate the matchup, not guys like Jalen Brown. But in Thursday's game, you, you saw some things, um, particularly you know Jalen Brown's a good place to start, uh, but also Avery Bradley had, had a very strong game. Isaiah Thomas uh, gave the Cavs fits. And, you know, even though the Cavs got up by 20 points at one point, uh, you know, that could happen in a playoff game. You know, you're not necessarily going to go up by by 20 and have a guaranteed victory. You know, Celtics fans can remember game four of the 2008 finals. They're down 24 points. They come back to beat the Lakers on the road. So, um, again, very early season matchup. But, um and, and maybe not what we would have wanted to see in terms of full-strength teams. But I think the Celtics you know, proved something, at least, that, that there's not an intimidation factor at this point with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I want to talk about Jalen Brown real quick because I think that's all it deserved is real quick. It was just one game. But he did play pretty well against LeBron. I do want to see if you have anything on that. But I thought if there was real one concrete takeaway, you could get away from a game like that because I think, yes, when it is all, all said and done, I do think that Boston had a nice little built-in excuse there with the two injuries. But as it turned out, it was a throwaway game in terms of anything of how we look at the Eastern Conference. There was, I don't want to say nothing you could take out of that game, but there really wasn't much. But one thing that I definitely think you can look at is Isaiah Thomas. He scored 30 points. He actually got to the free throw line 14 times. He got to the basket much more effectively than he has gotten to Cleveland in games past. But the Cavs have been, if you just look at the numbers alone, you go back to the playoffs in 2015, which I know only diehards or people in the media members like myself and you remember. Other than that, casual NBA fans do not remember that playoff series. It was a 4-0 sweep by Cleveland. Go back to that playoff series. Isaiah Thomas did not play well. He did not play well. He did not shoot well, excuse me, in three games against the Cavs last year. I believe he shot something like about 34.7% in those three matchups. Back on Thursday, he was 8-19. and A few of those field goals came in garbage time. Is there anything you make out of that? Is there anything that you believe the Cavs do to him that sort of has, that has squelched him now in the past two and a half years in matchups against Cleveland? Well, the Cavs really believe that Iman Shumpert, uh, who has a, a pretty strong defensive reputation, uh, matches up as well with Isaiah Thomas as anybody in the league. Uh, just by their, their body sizes, um, Shump's length has a, uh, maybe two, three inches in terms of height, or maybe more than that against Isaiah Thomas, we're saying five, six inches in terms of height. Uh, he he just always seemed to be able to handle that matchup. And they didn't really have, you know, if you can nullify or, or neutralize Isaiah Thomas, so you're talking about a completely different Celtics team that you're going up against. So um, the, the funny thing about Thursday's matchup was Iman Shumpert was scoring. He had his best offensive game of the year, 15 points. Um, it didn't seem to be making the same type of defensive impact against Isaiah Thomas that – you know, Cavs, uh, you know, fans and the Cavs coaching staff become accustomed to seeing. I want to talk about um, what the players had to say after the game as well, because you're as close as anyone to LeBron in the media, and you mentioned Jalen Brown earlier, because I wanted to touch upon this briefly. Is Jalen Brown's play, it was just one game, but there was, it's a national TV game, and it deserves a little type of analysis. And 
I asked you because, like I said, you're as close to LeBron as anyone in the media or close to these other Cavs players as anyone in the media. Do you get any inklings from him after that game on Thursday? I know he said something along the lines of, uh, oh, you know, I, I, what I said to him was to him in private alone. Uh, but what would you, did you get any inklings on his takeaways on maybe Brown or even the Celtics as a whole? Well, I'll say this about LeBron and Jalen Brown. Not uncommon for him to not want to share whatever he talked to a guy on a court. Uh, he'll, you know, he's asked about Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony. He's the de facto press secretary of the NBA. It's more than just players <laughs> on the court. It's everything. What'd you think about this? What'd you think about the Indians, etc.? So go ahead. Right, right. Uh, but when it comes to Brown. I think there he must have seen something in him that he could relate to. I, I think particularly just how young Jalen Brown is. We're talking 18 months ago. He was in high school. Um, you know, those players becoming, um, especially where where they're they're stepping in and starting. Um, it, it's not as as commonplace in the NBA these days. You look at Jalen Brown's body size, um, the position he plays. There's some similarities you could draw to LeBron James. Uh, and so, in my opinion, that's what seemed to get his uh, attention, got his respect. The one thing he said, now you look at him physically, which all of us can see physically, uh, you know, he's a specimen. He's got those long arms. They're built. Uh, he has that quick jump where, you know, once he takes off, he's already at the rim before you can blink your eye. Um, but LeBron said he knows how to play the game. To me, that was the most important compliment that he shared with us in the press corps. I mean, that, that's pretty heady stuff um, for him to, you know, kind of anoint this kid as as being able to play the game uh, at being so young. And, and again, LeBron thinks the game should be played a certain way. So Jalen Brown's playing the game the way LeBron approves of. Uh, that's a good thing f- for the Celtics. So. Um, yeah, it's significant just in terms of last year, you know, LeBron came to a point where he, the press secretary thing is a, a good um, observation by you. But he was asked, being asked, you know, by Miles Turner and said, I don't want to talk about him and asked about Kawhi Leonard and just stared the reporter down. Um, you know, there is a bit of a kingmaker, uh, you know, aspect to LeBron James. If he starts talking about somebody, all of a sudden, you know, they, they become on everybody's national radar. Uh, when I covered Kobe, I remember back during the, the beginning of Lynn Sanity, and, and Lynn Sanity really popped off against the Lakers on a Friday night in Madison Square Garden when Lynn scored 38 points. Well, the Lakers played the Celtics, I think, the, the game before that Knicks game, and Kobe was asked about Lynn and basically gave an answer in terms of, like, I don't know who this kid is. And if you, anyone who's seen the Lynn Sanity documentary, that's uh, one of the, the opening scenes is Kobe dismissing this kid. And, you know, they, they, they go on to you know, peg a narrative around that. Well, LeBron's in the same position. You know, reporters are going to go through that locker room and throw a bunch of names at him. Uh, so the fact the way he handled Jalen Brown's name being thrown at him. I think was significant uh, just, you know, because he sees potential there. It's an opinion, I think, which matters with him, like I said, about him being a press secretary. He gets about almost asked about, if not even more, about outside of the basketball world when in reality that probably doesn't mean – it probably means about less than nothing if you actually have to ask me. But in terms of other individuals on the court, if you're able to get it out of him, I think it's almost a headline and a story in itself. And especially uh, with you, I think you're able – from the way I've gotten to know you over the last few years, Dave, I think you're as good as anyone at being able to decipher LeBron's work. 
were, just in case of how close you are to him. But I want to ask you one more sort of general take sort of on the Celtics and on that game last night before we talk really generally about the Eastern Conference because you were mentioning Toronto at the beginning, and I'm definitely interested in what you have to say about that because the Cavs have played some interesting teams thus far, even though they've only played six games. But you have really – you watched the game back on Thursday, and like I said, there was almost just so much you could take away from – from that game just because the Celtics were missing two-fifths of their starting lineup and two key players that we thought were going to have a big impact uh, on any potential Cavs-Celtics matchups or the Celtics' prospects of this coming season whatsoever. But I went in this year on the Celtics. I was pretty, I was high on them myself. I had them winning 60. I had them being the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Of course, I thought they'd flame out against Cleveland just because they, they wouldn't match up well with them. But... Uh, rebounding and the bench were, were pretty poor back on Thursday night. You mentioned earlier how you believe that the Celtics were just sort of anointed as a rival to the Cavs just because the Cavs needed a rival just on the storyline basis alone, which would help the media. I mean, Once again, this is sort of – I think the easiest way for me to ask you this is uh, what do you think the Celtics need in terms of what you saw? Because I've, I know you've only seen them probably once thus far. What do you think are their, their biggest needs in terms of getting on that level with Cleveland in terms of what you saw back on Thursday? Because if you saw the game on Thursday, which I know you did, the bench stuck up, sunk up a joint, and they got out-rebounded by the Cavs, I believe, by seven or eight rebounds. Yeah, Larry. So I, coming into the, the game, other than the injuries, all I had really picked up in terms of what this Celtics team is known for in the early part of the season is poor rebounding. So that – there's a concern there. Um, that's that's a funny thing to fix. It, it's not like you go out and, and you know where you want to add shooting and there's a specialized shooter out there. You can add a specialized rebounder. Um, One guy is you know. not going to fix the thing. Well, I mean, it can help, um, but specialized rebounders. Bismack Biyombo Biombo got fourteen million dollars a year this past summer, so it's not like all of a sudden it's so easy to get guys like that out in the open market in the middle of a season. Uh, in terms of the bench, I think you have to recognize that, you know, if if two of their starters are missing, then two of their bench players are now starting. So it's hard to judge, you know, uh, the, the, the true Celtics bench without Crowder and Horford in there in the starting lineup. So I'm not too concerned about that. I actually think Celtics do have some depth. Um, I, I think – with a guy like Al Horford, it's going to take some time just to figure out where the shots are going, um, the flow of everything. You know, the, the Celtics team over the last couple seasons, they had a really nice egalitarian offense going on. Um, and I think they got better when you think about Horford instead of Sullinger and Evan Turner, but uh, I think it's going to take some time to quite figure out the way that works. And Horford, even though he's a multi-time all-star, I'm not so sure he's a true alpha. So I think you can still have Isaiah Thomas be your kind of go-to player, even though you've added, uh, you know, Horford, who's accomplished more in his career thus far. I, I just think they, with having all those assets in, in the cupboard, and certainly Jalen Brown is, is a guy who I think can help them win this year. But I, I think they want to be targeting a big swing. That's That I think they would need to take the next step so whether that be getting a lopez from brooklyn uh whether that be you know finally sacramento giving up on demarcus cousins um and then him becoming available come february 
that to me is Boston still missing that they're missing in terms of competing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're, they're missing another, you know, marquee player because really the Cavs, if you listen to Steve Kerr, tell it, uh, you know, based on his finals performances, the last couple of years, the Cavs have four players uh, with Kyrie love LeBron and Tristan Thompson that are uh, of, of a pretty elite ilk. And um, I, I think maybe Celtics, you would say two and a half with with Thomas Horford, you know, and, and, and Crawford. So um, I think they still need to pick up, um, you know, some more talent. And, and the nice thing about Danny Ainge is that he's acquired assets to be able to do something like that in the middle of the season. You're talking about uh, real quickly about how the, the Cavs have been going with that Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup. I want you to hold that thought real quick. We're here with Dave McMenamin, Cavs beat reporter for ESPN. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Episode number 182 of Celtics Beat with special guest Dave McMenamin is brought to you by Indochino. Instead of wasting your money on a generic off-the-rack suit that doesn't fit, visit Indochino to get a custom-made-to-measure suit at a great deal. Listeners in the Boston area can visit their showroom at 85 Newberry Street in the Back Bay and pick from dozens of fabric colors and patterns. I've been in the showroom myself, and let me tell you, those guys will treat you right I got all my measurements done in the showroom in less than 10 minutes with my style guide, Jake, and now I'm good to go. The amount of fabrics and designs and colors unmatched, so anything you pick will have you feeling good and looking even better. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention the code CELTICS at the Boston Indochino showroom. That's an $800 made-to-measure suit for just $389. That is over 50% off. Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom and get any premium suit for just $389 when you mention the code CELTICS. You won't beat this deal anywhere. Again, Indochino.com to book your appointment at the Boston showroom. Any premium suit for just $389 when you mention the code CELTICS. Welcome back into Celtics Beat. Larry H. Russell, ESPN's Dave McMenamin. Okay, Dave, I'm going to ask a pretty stupid question here, but uh, this is, was our train of thought as we were cutting a break. And forgive me, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. Uh, so basically, yeah, what do you think of the Cavs rolling with their top unit as their starting unit, which for every team is the obvious thing to do. But last year was the second-best lineup in the NBA behind the Warriors' death squad, and that being Kyrie, Smith, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, Love, Last year, that unit did not start for much of the year, and they may have benefited a bit from it as the Cavs didn't put up the huge win total, but they were healthy and fresh for the finals. Right now, that leaves the Cavs bench pretty thin. It is a stupid question, but we got to hear anyways. You like the Cavs going with this unit and really putting the pedal to the metal here when they're already so much better than everyone in the conference? Uh, well, I, I think... You look at Tristan and look at the comments that Ty Lue made last year before he was starting Tristan. He said that he feels like certain bigger big men wear him out and he's not to be he's not able to be as effective as uh, he is in shorter bursts off the bench. Uh, And to me, just the naked eye, Tristan appears to be the same effective player he's been in the past but it doesn't look all of a sudden that much bigger or that much you know in better shape so i would imagine that's still some sort of an issue so i could see the 
your reasoning there to question why they would go with this this team. Uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. You know, well, I think the the on the other, the flip side of the argument is that the Cavs now they didn't protect that lead uh, Thursday against the Celtics, but they feel like because it's such an effective lineup, if they run that team out there, they can have the game over with in 32 minutes, and you're not really going to wear and tear your guys because they're not going to be playing those high pressure, high stress. Um, fourth quarter minutes trying to to pull games out um so uh, without having a direct conversation specifically about that strategy with theron lu i know that he feels that's the same reason they play with quicker pace anytime you can make basketball more instinctual and less stressful uh he feels like it's better for the long haul and and certainly winning games by the time the fourth quarter starts uh, would be, uh, I think, a motivating factor to, to play Tristan uh, with that starting unit. What about the Cavs' effort level thus far and even LeBron James continuing as we go throughout the regular season? I was coming into this season thinking they're going to try to preserve LeBron as much as possible. Well, I, well, I think minutes are still an issue or, or a thought process for Ty Lu as he looks to manage LeBron. LeBron's not going to be stopped at all this year. Uh, you know, I, I wrote on opening night, spoke to a source close to LeBron, who feels like you know that fifth MVP is a very clear-cut motivating factor for him this season. Uh, the only other guys to capture five are, are Michael Jordan with five and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with six. So it's put him in an even higher echelon in terms of the best players in NBA history. Uh, the only way to do that, he can't start tapering down stuff um, uh, really at any point because you look at some of the guys out there in competition for the award. So uh, as long as LeBron's playing at that motivated, high-octane level, the Cavs are going to keep piling up wins and piling up wins. And um, you know, I, I, I think I had to, to pick a Cavs win total um, for ESPN the offseason. I, I think I went with 64. Uh, based on the early going, it seems like they're. Uh, yeah, but oh, you're right. Sorry to interrupt. But I think I would thought that'd be high because if you even look outside of that one year in Miami when they had that long winning streak, most LeBron teams outside of the one year in Miami and I believe 2009 with the Cavs, most LeBron teams generally sort of you know sort of dial back a little bit. But thus far, double digit uh, double digit point differential, undefeated this year. Thus far, the I mean the effort level and the intensity. From someone who's outside, looks pretty good. What is well, and I think most LeBron teams haven't had someone like Kyrie Irving playing at the level he is right now. I mean, Kyrie Irving is showing himself on, on a nightly basis to be you know, a top five guard in the league. Um, and as he comes into this season healthy, coming off an Olympic summer, having the confidence of that um, – having the comfort factor of, you know, at this point, there's no question mark of whether he he and LeBron can play w- with one another. There's no question mark of whether his coach can bring out the best in him and Ty Lue. Uh, you know, that's why you look – and then you look at Kevin Love. Kevin Love that looks like a completely different player these first five games. He looks like the guy who was – playing really well uh, against Atlanta and against Detroit. Um, not not the guy who was being benched in the fourth quarter against Toronto or, you know, uh, really having a, a difficult time in the NBA Finals. Um, if those 
three top players are actually playing like three top players. Uh, again, that's where I see such a talent gap in the Eastern Conference and why they'll be able to pile up wins. Uh, so uh, that's why I, I, at this point, um, I think it would be a complete shift in, in where they're headed in the early part of the season to suddenly see them think about any sort of coasting. Um, I, I think it's 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 a very nice rhythm they have right now, and it was a relatively difficult last two seasons for the Cavs in terms of the scrutiny and the pressure they were under. Uh, all that scrutiny and pressure is out west now, and, and they can just play basketball and know that they're NBA champions. And uh, uh, I, I think they, they could again pile up a lot of wins this year i'm not gonna lie i am playing a little devil's advocate for you that's uh, i can't forgive you of course leading to the stuttering but when you mentioned a little earlier in the uh in the interview how you you talked about how the celtics could have very well been a, a rival drummed up by the media a little bit to sort of create intrigue on the season which of course has almost a preordained destination when i think we all know what it is and even me was who i was uh, as excited about this Celtics team before the year, and, and I, I thought I threw out a best-case scenario with them winning 60 games. Even that, I, I uh, had that with a fallout line of I still have them losing to the Cavs in five games in the Eastern Conference Finals, and of course is before the, the five, six games that, that we've seen thus far this year. But you've actually gotten a pretty good look at the Eastern Conference this early in the season in terms of the relevant teams that have been faced. You saw the Celtics back on Thursday night. You saw the Raptors, uh, I believe, the second game of the year, if I recall, in Toronto for that, I might add. And, of course, now this doesn't, I think, matters as much. But there was a little hype about the Knicks coming into the year. A little. As we all know, I think it's probably based primarily out of New York. But you've seen a few teams, and of course, I know you, you generally keep an eye on the NBA as is. I'm not sure how much you're able to watch that Chicago Celtics game back on Wednesday. I'm going to go with something about zero, considering I think there was something else on television that night. Um, <laughs> But basically, that's sort of a general. What have, what have you seen of the Eastern Conference as a whole this year? Do you think it's you know we, we previewed it to, uh, to some extent back in August, but through five six games, are there any general takeaways from the conference that you've noticed? Hey, Atlanta is is integrating Dwight Howard better than I expected. I didn't really think yeah, they're very good defensively. See. I was surprised at that as well. And Dwight putting up. You know, he had a 30-point game already. Like, I, I didn't expect to see that Dwight Howard in Atlanta. Um, you look at, beyond that, Chicago, you, even though they, they lost to the Celtics, I think they started off 3-0, and, you know, maybe it wasn't the best competition they were going up against, but I think they beat Indiana, and, and they beat Brooklyn, and uh, there's an up-and-down style. They're trying to play uh, with Butler and Wade, and... And um, and Rondo and and Wade hitting three point shots. Uh, whether that's just a small sample size to start the year, or whether he's going to, that'll be a part of his game moving forward. Uh, you know, those are the teams that, you know, of course Toronto, as I mentioned, that is 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 right there. They've had a very strong start to the season by Demar Derozan. Uh, DeRozan scored more points through the Raptors, I think, first two games than any other player in Raptors history, out- outscoring Vince Carter in doing so. Um, uh, you know, but then I, I think there's some some big question mark teams. You look at Indiana; Jeff Teague does not look like you know the All Star he was in in Atlanta. He doesn't look like this guy who can be such a big difference maker and, and turn them from being you know a seven eight seed contender to a four or five seed contender. Uh, you know, the rest of the con- conference, you know, Milwaukee has all those intriguing pieces, but 
Um, they haven't shown that, okay, they're going to be certainly having the necessary maturation in that lineup to make that clear-cut step where we are a team to be reckoned with every night. They still seem to be uh, requiring some development. Detroit has a ton of talent. Um, uh, some of the, the Cavs people I've spoken to would include them in that conversation with Toronto and Boston in terms of the teams to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they've had some strong showings, Detroit has, and they've had some you know nights where they haven't even shown up yet already this season. So no, those are kind of the teams that, that have grabbed my attention. But admittedly, between um, all the things that are going on with the Cavs and and you know the, the city I live in having the World Series going on the last week or so, uh, I haven't had my, my requisite time to you know purge or uh, binge watch league league uh, league passes I normally would be. Are there any of those teams that that give a, a shrivel of fear to Cleveland in terms of what you're seeing in the in the two to five or six games the Cavs have played this this year? Or well, I mean, there's no team in the league that gives them a, sh- a shred of fear. I mean, the, the Golden State Warriors do not cause any fear within the, the Cavs locker room, uh, nor do the San Antonio Spurs, nor do the L.A. Clippers, when we talk about the best contenders in the West, and certainly the teams in the Eastern Conference don't inspire that type of mentality either out of the Cavs. So, uh, again, but it's, it's a long season, and uh, you know injuries change things, acquisitions change things. Um, so I, I think LeBron certainly smart enough to know that the team he sees in November on the court has very little correlation between the team that will need to try to win a championship, try to win 16 games in April. And that goes for his own team and for the opposition that he faces. So um, I think there's just so much more for us all to to find out about the season before, um, you know, we, we figure out exactly who is the cream of the crop. Had the Cavs at 95% of making the NBA Finals on this show back in August. Dave McMenamin covers the Cleveland Cavaliers for ESPN.com and ESPN. You can follow Dave on Twitter, at Mc10. Thanks so much for stopping by once again, man. You got it. You got it, too, Dave. Uh, again, Dave McMenamin, longtime NBA staffer for ESPN. He's got now got a post in Cleveland covering LeBron after being on the Lakers beat for so many years. I tell you, I got there at the end with Dave stating the obvious, but worth stating nonetheless, and and you talk about teams not being the same in November and say come April or come February or March, be it injuries, acquisitions. I tell you, if you're already thinking about moves for the Celts, and I may very well be getting there, if there's one team to watch regarding that, it's the team that's in town to face the Celtics tonight. They have some players along their front line who Celtics fans may want to familiarize themselves with. You know, last week, me and Chris Forsberg threw Kenneth Reed's name out there, you know, backup power forward to come and address the rebounding issue and add a key component off the bench. And yes, I know Celtics fans have put Fareed's name in the trade simulator so many times it's enough to knock down the entire power grid. But also, too, remember Kevin Pelton on this show back over the summer. He pinpointed Denver's very young bigs, Yusef Nurkic and Nikola Jokic, two young, very, very uber-talented big men, as premier Celtics trade targets because as good as they are, and they're phenomenal, and they're going to give the Celtics problems tonight, there's no doubt about it. But he stated here back in August that he did not feel they'd fit together and Denver would eventually move them, possibly even this year, because of that. And sure enough, that's the big storyline out in the Rocky Mountains is is really that, that lack of fit out there. So let that be a transition 
to the CLNS Radio Boston Celtics pregame segment, which, if you recall from last year, all pregame shows on Sundays, they air right here on Celtics Beat, not on the Celtics News Feed channel. So let's go with us, joining us right now to talk about the Celtics matchup with the Denver Nuggets tonight in Boston. 7.30 p.m. tip is Justin Poulin. Today's pregame show is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer for premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress at a very fair price. Casper combines two technologies, springy latex foam and supportive memory foam, to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and bounce. Breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. As I know from experience, you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper truly understands the importance of trying out a mattress that in all reality you spent a third of your life on. They offer free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. You get 100 days to try it out to see if it's the right mattress for you. And if it isn't, returns are free. What are you waiting for? Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. And you can save an additional $50 towards a mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. Casper.com slash Celtics and promo code Celtics. Free shipping applies to U.S. and excuse me, U.S. and Canada customers only. Terms and conditions applied. Justin, uh, I, I hope it's still pitch black outside. Fall black, fall back Sunday. You got? Did you get your ten and a half hours of REM sleep on a Casper? Is it still too early for that? Uh, it's way too early for that because it's the weekend. I'll get my extra sleep into tomorrow, Monday morning, uh, or maybe not because of this Nuggets game tonight. So we'll see. But um, it's good. To, it's good to be back on the show, Larry, my man. Yeah. Before we get into the game tonight, do you have any remaining thoughts from the Celtics the week that was? I mean, you look at it on paper; it was one expected win and one expected loss. But as we all know, there was a lot that went down this week. So you want to take it away from me? Well, I mean, I think the the biggest one is I think Amir Johnson took that third quarter performance against the Bulls and dedicated it to your show last week. Relegating Amir Johnson to to not just the bench, but the back of the bench. Waterboy, towel waver, high fiver. I'll be nice. Veteran presence. But I've seen enough there. Amir Johnson, I think uh, he's reached his expiration date in this league. The Celts were lucky to get what they did out of him last year. He's a good guy for the locker room. But that's about it. The miles and the injuries, I think, have caught up to him. Yes, it is three games, but this is kind of, I can safely say, Dunzo. Uh, I think you said he was Dunzo. Yeah, I knew you would bring that one up, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, we had to. But here's the thing, Lair. You know, who would have thought that was coming? He deserves some criticism. I don't know if I would have written him off for the season, but it wasn't just you. Uh, On Celtic Stuff Live, John and I were talking about, listen, if Amir's not locking down the defense, what else is he giving you? And... Obviously, he gave us something that he's never given us for three-pointers in the third quarter of a game where Jay Crowder had gone down, which that makes me nervous, too. If I were to sum up the week is is Jay Crowder's. Now, at least it's the other ankle. It's not the same ankle that hampered him down the stretch last year and into the playoffs. But still, uh, let's hope it's not a high ankle sprain. And let's hope that the Celtics give it plenty of time to heal. I just don't plenty, think there's any reason plenty to take of any time. Care. Oh, God. No, that, 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 that has to happen. I talked about it earlier. I, I think they will. I hope they learn their lesson, certainly, from last year when they were running guys out there trying to win 50 games. Got to have those players healthy in April. I thought, I think it was you uh, and even Nick Sassento on the postgame show after Thursday's game against Cleveland. I thought you guys, if there, even Patrick Gilroy, it might have been Patrick who, who said if there was any silver lining 
to the Crowder injury was that it would force feed Jalen Brown to play more minutes. I don't know if it's, yeah, that'll it be a good or bad thing. I know that's a good thing for you. It is. Well, I think it's a good thing in general. We talked about it. Um, I definitely said that's one of the benefits. And really, that was one of the other highlights. Without Jay Crowder's injury, we would not have been able to see Jalen Brown's potential matching up against LeBron James. I mean, it did feel like LeBron could have kicked it up another couple of levels if the Celtics had been more competitive. When I predicted the week, I predicted a loss before I even knew Horford and Crowder would be missing for the game. You oh, know, that, second that, that was a back nice, back. as I said with Dave, that was a nice little convenient built-in excuse. I, the, the thing about that game was I was hoping to get a little more takeaways from it because that was a very intriguing matchup earlier yeah. in the year. But it was probably a game they weren't going to win anyways. anyways but I didn't think so. And it did look like Cleveland, they were hitting a lot of shots from outside. The one thing I'll say about that game, and Avery Bradley, really, and Isaiah Thomas, we can we can really give it up to both of them, although I think Isaiah... You know, did not well. He went 0 for six from beyond the arc, and I, I think he always seems to struggle from three point land against Cleveland. But with Cleveland taking three guards or three not three guards, but three players, putting them all out on the three point line to start the perimeter defense, I mean, it just looked hilarious. And Bradley and Thomas were still able to get shots and still able to score, which I think is, if you want to take a takeaway, that's one good thing because you teed this all up with potential trade targets in players that we're going to see tonight against the Denver Nuggets. If they do shore up that, uh, if they do shore up the uh, front court and they get some help, and I don't mean, I know a lot of people want scoring like Kelly Olenek and they want the three and D and they want a player who can stretch the floor, but if they could get somebody who could score a little bit back to the basket and still be able to stretch the floor, they were able to find somebody, a player like that. It certainly would help pull some of that perimeter uh, defense away from them, and I think it would give them more ability to create. Those players are certainly there tonight, so allow maybe before we get any uh, possible trade scenarios, which I really don't want to get too much into, we can do so by just simply talking about them because Denver's got – this looks, once again, on paper. Uh, I haven't seen the point spread yet for the game tonight. A little still too little too early in the morning for us. Denver, I think, just finished up a game in Detroit a few hours ago. Uh, but – on paper, I heard you guys talking about the post-game show. Oh, that's, yeah, this should be a win, you know, Sunday night at home against a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs out in the Western Conference. Should be a win. I expect it to be a win myself, but I, I have the reasons why I expect it to be a win are, are different reasons. But this is a very tricky and bad matchup for the Celtics. I think you can go back to last year's games against Utah when uh, Favors and Gobert really had their way out in Salt Lake City. Greg Monroe gave the Celtics trouble last year. Brooke Lopez gave the Celtics trouble in Boston last year when the Nets came in here. Denver's a team, I believe they're second in the NBA in rebounding. We all know where the Celtics are in rebounding. We talk about Jokic and Nurkic. Kenneth Fareed comes off the bench for them. Celtics, as we know, have a pretty bad bench. He can kind of come in and make even more hay down low. Matchup-wise, this is not a good matchup for the Celtics. I actually think they're going to win the game tonight just basically based on their experience alone. And Denver's a little too young. They've had trouble closing out games. I watched them against Toronto, I think it was, about a week ago. And, they played and a good Moutier game. is fun to watch, but he's a turnover machine. Yeah, he's not, he's not been and, playing well for them. So for every them. offensive rebound that the Celtics get, we're going to be able to force turnovers with when Denver's initiated. You mean the Nuggets get? Yeah. I think we'll be able to count Nuggets. the offensive rebounds on one hand tonight for Boston. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough all year unless there is some sort of a move. But I, I, I think that the issue 
is really the second chance opportunities that come off of those offensive rebounds that they allow because the other team can shoot a much lower percentage. And if they grab the offensive board, they're already closer to the basket, which is a higher percentage shot. And that's really where they struggle. I don't know what the three point shooting of the Nuggets is. I, I, I haven't actually looked at that in preparation, but you know, uh, Gallinari is obviously somebody who can shoot from outside and he's a player that struggled to stay healthy. I think this Nuggets team might even look a lot better had they been able to keep everybody healthy last year too. But there's a chemistry thing when you just don't have time on the court. So that kind of is maybe a, a little checkbox in your experience, uh, you know, uh, factor for this game. So I think the Celtics are going to walk away. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with Horford, not so much for rebounding, but again, you know, I think Isaiah Thomas greatly missed Horford's presence in that Cleveland game. And I know Cleveland, you know, isn't a good comparison in terms of length and the players that the Celtics match up against and that will match up against tonight with players on the inside. But still, I just think that, that they need, they need that pick and roll. They need that, that combination between Thomas and Horford, and I think it'll minimize the concerns that, that you have in the matchup against the Denver Nuggets. I want to go back to what you were talking about with Denver's three-point shooting. They share a 32% three-point shooting team as a team that is not very good. One thing also, too, I think that we should point out is Denver is missing some key players as well. Will Barton will not give it a go once again, and Gary Harris, I believe, is not played this year, so I doubt he goes tonight for them. The Barton injury, I think, is uh, pretty interesting because if we were talking about Jay Crowder's injury a little earlier, it was last year, last March, when Jay Crowder went down. The Celtics had to face, it was actually during the Houston game, so they faced Harden. Uh, they had a back-to-back, I believe, in Indiana and then Oklahoma City. So that's Paul George and Kevin Durant. Then they went to Toronto on a Friday night, I believe, and DeMar DeRozan torched them. I think he had 36 points against them. So the Barton injury with um, Jay Crowder sort of nullifies what could have been a potential uh, bad situation there for the Celtics. But talk about the chemistry issues with, with Denver. Denver is – they have a lot of talent. And they're sort of where – and this is what I was thinking about coming into the game tonight. And I was watching their game against Toronto about a week ago when they gave the Raptors a real good game. But once again, it's a young team that couldn't close against a very good veteran team in Toronto. In Toronto, they're where the Celtics were – Two years ago, when we were talking about the Celtics roster having 10 or 11 very good players, not very good, 10 or 11 players that deserve playing time, yet were not good enough to separate themselves from their peers, and that's created really rotation issues out there in Denver, and this is pretty much primarily the reason why I think the Celtics are going to win this game tonight, despite really like we've been talking about the the bad matchup down low, and of course with Fareed coming in off the bench as well to, to really... Uh, throw more gas on the fire is the fact that Denver's been having trouble closing games because A, they have rotation issues as is. B, it's a young team. We all know for what our, you know, young teams struggle to win close games in the NBA. The Celtics now, it's been two and a half years where their continuity, I think, is finally starting to pay off. I think we've already seen it this year. They've closed out against Chicago, even though Chicago was making a run with Boston's bench players on the floor. They had a really good, uh, strong close against, very good strong close against Charlotte over a week ago. So I think primarily tonight alone, you'll see the Celtics win this game basically based on veteran guile and experience alone, of course. Obviously, they're starting to buy. I think just that is pretty much going to be what's going to take the Celtics over the hump tonight. In the second unit, it's a big piece. I know you talked about it last Sunday as well, but we need to see that second unit gel. I think one of the concerns and one of the reasons it hasn't happened is it was clunky in the preseason. Part of the reason it was clunky is the 
a, there was really a big distinction between first unit and second unit. But then when you actually play regular season games, the rotations don't work that way. You don't sub five for five. And so actually the injuries to Horford and Crowder and Olenek and some level actually maybe help that because the mix and match lineups begin to get some experience together. I, I would be surprised. They're still trying out start. a lot of lineups. Oh, yeah. No, there is. There's a lot of different lineups, and health has had a big influence on that. So I'd still expect to see Brown in the starting lineup, but uh, thanks to Marcus Smart coming off of his injury, that helps greatly with that second unit. So that'll be something we'll be looking at tonight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, you know, those are probably the biggest factors in, in the Celtics, not only their success tonight against the Nuggets, but in the coming weeks is can they stay healthy and you know, how, how well does Terry Rozier continue to play? And if that, if, if Avery Bradley can be out there and stabilize that second unit to some degree with Marcus Smart, if, if they start to figure that part out, that's when you start to see them pushing into that mid 50 win range. It's amazing too that we thought that the Celtics, one of their big, uh, big benefits this year was their continuity. And, and I, I just mentioned that a few minutes ago, but as we know that the bench was a great unknown. Fortunately, to an extent, I, I say fortunately, uh, in with a little sort of uh, caveat to it, in that I, we were hoping that the bench would be a little bit better than what it was. But fortunately, the schedule sort of does allow them to get away with what they've been getting away with. Uh, they have Denver tonight, and on, it's, it's also Denver on a back-to-back. It's a, it's a young team, talented young team, but it should be good enough to get the win in, at home. The Celtics team, I think, already... I think they could use the wake-up call. They've been getting punked on the glass, it seems like, night in and night out now, except for the Charlotte game. But they're able to they're, – they're very fortunate, and they get the Nuggets tonight. They have a busy week this week, but you mentioned it on the pregame show. Nuggets tonight, and they go to Washington, who has been a big disappointment thus far this year. The Knicks down in Madison Square Garden. Indiana, they've actually been struggling, as expected. They've been struggling – but that's a, that's a trickier one. That's a Saturday on a back-to-back, end of a long week. But the Celtics are fortunate in that they may be able to put some wins in the bank. Yeah, and and to, your, to, the, to the bigger point, staying healthy. All of these days off, really, if they had a much tighter, heavier schedule, they, they could be They're getting get beat up week, pretty though. hard right now. Week. Well, that's what I mean. So because it's it's spaced out a little bit still, and, and you know, it's helped a little bit. It allowed them to get Marcus healthy, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I don't know, you know, you mentioned the Indiana game, and I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but, I, you know, are you believing in the Indiana team? Because I've seen some people pick them to be, you know, in the Eastern Conference oh, no, no, final. No, 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 I was. They, yeah. and, but what actually was funny, and I want to go on, on forever about Indiana. I actually said over two over the summer was I believe that the Pacers, because they made so many changes over the summer that they would struggle early on because they got to get, get a lot of things sorted out. Okay, how about this? Give me a prediction for tonight. I think you know the Celtics are going to win this game. Uh, I'm going to go for tonight's game 122 to 106. I think it's going to be an up-and-down-the-floor kind of game. That's the way the Celtics want to play, and I think it'll help them not get their butts kicked on the glass so much. Week. Uh, Record for the week, right. Justin. Give me the games in order again. Uh, so we got the game tonight, and then they, they're off till Wednesday. They're down in Washington next Friday night, in, down in New York. And then... Okay, uh, so Washington, Knicks, and then Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't have it in front of me. Washington, I would... Yeah, that's that's a win. You know, that's a lot of guard play. That'll be a fun game to watch, actually. Actually, excuse me. The next game is at home Friday night. The next, well, the next game, the next win is is an easy one to pick, I think. Um, although 
you get that Porzingis, you know, you get the length again. You want to talk about that, but, um, but he still plays away from the basket for the most part. And I just, I think the Knicks, I think the Knicks win you can count on. I think you can count on the, the Wizards win. The Pacers one is the one that has me sort of curious. And, and a lot of it is, well, we're going to see old friend Al Jefferson who can work in the paint, not defensively, but offensively. Um, you know, he, he might give you a, a pseudo Greg Monroe kind of performance in a way offensively. Um, and I know he's coming off the bench, but it could be a factor, especially with the Celtics depth in, in the front court being hampered. So I, I go, I'm going to go another two in one week. I'm going to say wins against Washington in the Knicks and a loss against Indiana. Justin Poole and Celtic Stuff Live host of the Boston Celtics postgame show on 912.50 AM ESPN New Hampshire and CLNS Radio, www.clnsradio.com. can follow Justin on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. You on the uh, postgame show for tonight? No, no, no. I, I think the next one, it's sometime this week, but I'm not on tonight. Uh, but I did have a really nice interview with Mark Spears that came out Saturday morning. So uh, it's not really focused on the season, maybe a little bit on Jalen Brown, a little bit on Ray Allen's retirement and a lot about Mark's career and uh, how, how he, you know, some of the things he's able to do at the undefeated, which is a, a change of venue for him leaving Yahoo sport. Real quick to call a number for tonight's post game show, three, four, seven, two, one, five, seven, 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 one. Justin, that sort of uh, gives us a quick little lead in here. You got a few seconds here. Uh, what's coming up on Celtic stuff live for tomorrow. Yeah, John and I are, are going to get into it a little bit on on the uh, some of the topics that you and I talked about today, Larry. But definitely going to talk about injuries and and Jay Crowder concerns there, and uh, we'll make our predictions. Although everybody got an early my early predictions already, and then obviously tons of love for Jalen Brown as I try to meter my approach and uh, still sound like uh, like I'm being professional. But you know, I've got a. You know, you, you know, I've been rooting for him all along. So I'm sure we'll be talking about him and, and Marcus Smart's development off the bench as well. That's Celtic Stuff Live tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on CLNS Radio. Really heavy here on Celtics programming here over this week, starting with this show, then at the postgame show, uh, Celtics Stuff Live tomorrow, 9 a.m. Postgame shows after Wednesday, Friday, Saturday's game. Once again, all on the CLNS Radio mobile app. Okay, so let's go to the credits, which, by the way, which. We'll not close out the show this week entirely. Remember how I said I would tell you how to vote? Uh, so hang in there. That's coming up right after the credits. But for now, music for this show is provided by Will Rock and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore Beat. I'm at CLNS underscore LHR. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Love to thank our guests, Justin Poulin and, of course, Dave McMenamin of ESPN, as well as our sponsors, Indochino, mentioned Sullivan's at 85 Newberry Street for 50% off your first suit. Movement watches, mbmtwatches.com slash Celtics Beat for 15% off your first watch with free shipping and returns. Audible, audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. And, of course, American Farmers Network for making this all possible. Big thanks to our audience for making this show the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. One more time, subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes for free entry to win two tickets to see the Celts take on the Pistons on November 30th in Boston. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Mick? I don't think so. Myself, the executive producer and host, I am Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio. 
All animals deserve humane treatment. So vote yes on question three, a moderate measure ensuring farm animals have enough space to turn around and extend their limbs. Endorsed by the Boston Globe and MSPCA, yes on three for safer food and to prevent the cruelty. Vote yes on three. Paid for by Citizens for Farm Animal Protection.